Hello, this is episode 23 of Josh's Ramblings. Um, today I'd like to talk about uh, why I'm struggling to talk about politics. Uh, that's been difficult and challenging, particularly over the last, oh, you know, two and a half, three years. So uh, it, this kind of started, my wife is a wonderful woman who is very, very different from me. Uh, and she writes a blog. Frequently, we will talk about very, very different topics. Um, a lot of my stuff is very high-minded. Well, I don't know about high-minded, but very uh, abstract, intellectual sort of stuff. And she talks a lot more about practical and emotional sorts of things. Uh, and so she writes a blog. Uh, and so we were we were talking. We we're like, hey, because we are we are very different people. And so frequently, we struggle to find things that we can do together. So one of the things that we wanted to do is, hey, periodically you know, my podcast and your blog, we should try talking about the same things. Uh, and so I will link, uh, she posted her blog like a week and a half ago. Um, and I will uh, put a link to that in the show notes. And we're, we both wanted to talk about kind of the civility uh, and the way that we handle political conversations right now. Uh, so for as far as why I'm struggling to talk about politics, I really like to solve problems iteratively. Uh, for my day job, I'm a computer programmer, and I really like that where, you know, my code is supposed to do something. I run it. If it doesn't work, then I get to try some stuff to fix it, and I get to run it again, and I get to try and try and try. Um, and I that is that is pretty solidly ingrained in me for the way that we solve problems of, hey, like, let's, let's, let's try stuff and see what actually happens. Um, I like to, you know, kind of attack when I'm, I mean, if, if you've listened to this podcast, you know I like to uh, piece out, okay, what are the what are the different chunks of this solution? How can how can we examine it from as many different ways? Let's uh, let's walk through all of our potential solutions, see what our benefits are, what our costs are, um, and how can we balance those? Uh, and particularly on the podcast of trying to say, okay, depending on what you value, you might want this solution or you might want this solution. You know, so let's get uh, a really solid set of data of facts that we can agree on, and then we can work from there. Um, and then I, I really strongly try to stay unsure of my conclusions, uh, to hold them loosely because I, as I have previously noted, people are wrong all the time and that certainly includes me. So I, I try not to get too hung up on my assumptions or my facts because I'm, I'm frequently long, wrong. The world is a big, messy place. Uh, and most of these things defy uh, simple explanation and simple sets of facts. And so it's like, oh, hey, here's this other thing that you entirely didn't consider. Uh, the times I've had people reach out to me about my blogs and having conversation with some of you that have listened, I've really appreciated that because frequently I will learn and gain something new out of that. Um, and a lot of times, particularly with politics, we're talking about very, very complex problems. And so it's a lot easier to be wrong uh, because there's just more facets of what is two plus two? You've got a really small number of variables to work with. How do I make the economy stronger has millions or billions or trillions of potential inputs, of potential outputs, like how do we measure whether or not that happened? And so it's so much easier to be wrong uh, because you might have the wrong inputs, you might have the wrong facts, you might, there's so many places that it can go wrong. Um, so I try to be even looser of saying, hey, this is what I think, but of recognizing that at any point I could be wrong. Uh, and so politics is even messier than a lot of those other questions because we don't know what policy outcomes do. Um, like we have some, we have some general ideas, but people will disagree with the general ideas about how well things work uh, because you can't test policy ideas with a high degree of precision. 
there's no way to do a controlled experiment. It, generally, the best, from the studies I've listened to and stuff, the best way that you can get this is, at least for the United States, when different states legalize something at different times. And so you can kind of say, oh, all right, like, what were the effects? Or, you know, if you've got a state boundary where it's like one state raises its minimum wage and the other one doesn't, like, do the jobs move? What, what happens there? Uh, and that sort of happens, but there's also, like, the regulation in the state is also like that changes that the one state did raise them to mowage the other way state didn't so there's something different there so you can get you can i mean you can get data it's not like we don't know anything um but because these are such big messy complex problems you can almost always find a story to tell or data that supports what you think um or, you know, tell me of telling a story why, oh, this is why it didn't work in that case, but it did work over here. And because these problems are messy and complex, it's not like, oh, 100% of the time, if you do this policy thing, this will happen. Um, governments, people, history, this is all messy stuff. So it's not going to be, you know, a really simple problem. So there's always going to be some stories that support what you think and some stories that don't. Uh, this is so. This is really frustrating for trying to get a cohesive uh, set of data and agreements, which to me indicates we should have even more uncertainty and be more willing to say, "Hey, your idea might work better." Um, and so that's for like the intellectual side. The thing that you can be a little bit more certain about is the principles that you're working from. Uh, so whether or not you agree with it, Democrats saying healthcare should be a human right is in some ways the right way to go about this of saying, hey, this is a thing that I think is really important. Uh, and, and then you can go into Medicare for all or Obamacare or I mean, whatever solution you think works there. But of stating here is the thing that we value, because the thing that we can say with absolute certainty, these are the things that we value. Because that's a, To me, that's a really good place to start from. And I'll talk about this more later of saying this is what I value. This is what I want. OK, now what's the best way to get that? Like, <laughs> you know, what do I think has a 60 or 80% chance of actually doing that? Um, so I, I will frequently speak with a high degree of uncertainty. I will note my uncertainty often. Uh, our political system does not incentivize people to do that. Uh, neither does our news media. So frequently you will be bombarded by people who say, this is exactly what's happening. This is exactly how to fix it. Uh, I know what's going on. And if I just had complete power, I could fix it. That seems drastically overconfident to me. Um, <laughs> the free market and democracy both work under the assumption that if we just crowdsource everything, we are going to come up with a better solution on the whole. Which, I mean, I think I'm probably going to do one of my future podcasts about whether or not I whether or not democracy is the system of government that I think makes sense. But people are fallible. They will always get stuff wrong. And so if you can uh, kind of even things out, it's like trying to pick individual stocks as opposed to just taking an index fund. Uh, if you pick individual stocks, you can get real rich. You grab Apple when it's real cheap. You grab some Bitcoin when it was a dollar a coin. Uh, you can get super rich. You can also lose everything if you've got Enron stock at the wrong time. Whereas if you have an index fund, you're going to do pretty good. You're going to get, you know, give or take 8% returns in the stock market over the long run. Um, and I feel like that's, it's kind of the same thing of, hey, let's take a little bit more diversified. Let's have a group of people trying to make this decision. Maybe things aren't going to go as well as they could, but we're also going to avoid the tail end really bad scenarios. Uh, and so it frustrates me when people say, oh yeah, my ideas will definitely work. You don't know that. If you think you know that, you are overconfident. 
Um, you might have a pretty good idea. We might be able to do some things that are better, but you do not know how to fix all the problems. Anyone who says they are can is either God or wrong. Um, so we kind of as an aside, uh, there's a lot of people, there are some people who know more, who have better ideas, particularly as you get into more and more narrow areas of, hey, this person has been studying labor, economics their whole life. They, they've got some pretty good ideas about, hey, if you raise the minimum wage, this will happen. Or this person's been studying healthcare economics. Um, economics are kind of my default assumptions examples because those are the ones that I recognize. Uh, this person's been studying healthcare economics. If you change the market in this way, these things are likely to happen. Um, this person is an expert in border security. They've actually been paying attention to what happens on our borders and with immigration. These are the things that immigrants actually do, uh, as opposed to our president who just says stuff that is not backed up by facts. Sorry, uh, an aside there. But we have this, uh, there's been a significant amount of backwash. I feel like more so among the Republican Party uh, of denying expertise, of saying that no, those people who have studied this thing their whole life don't know what they're talking about. I guess the Democrats have that too, some with uh, ignoring some of the fair market or free market kind of stuff um, and the power of free markets and capitalism. But the, the assumption that the people who have been studying this their whole life don't know better, which is not to say that they're always right. Nearly everyone missed the 2008 financial crash. Even the people who are paying attention and looking at it, the Fed chair, the people whose job this was, like the experts are not always going to be right. That does not mean they are not right more often than, you know, someone who doesn't know what they're talking about. You know, maybe it's 80 or 90% of the time as opposed to 30 or 40% of the time. They're still going to be wrong either one in 10 or one in five times uh, in that scenario. So we particularly have this with politicians where we term limit them out. I don't know about you guys, but most of the jobs I've ever had, I have gotten better as I have been there longer. Whereas with politicians, we say, no, you have been there too long. It is time for you to leave. And I, I recognize the politics is different, and I've never had a job for decades. Uh, but we're frequently kicking politicians or either kicking politicians out after two terms or wanting to kick them out after two terms, at least at the state level. Um, we don't have term limits. Well, we do have term limits on the presidency. But... Uh, that that just befuddles me a little bit. That in general, I've gotten better at jobs and better at nearly everything I've done as I've done it longer. Um, granted, I am 27 years old and I have not had that much time uh, to be doing something for long enough to get worse at it. But that just drives me a little bit crazy. Um, anyway, to get back on topic a little bit. Uh, so trying to filter through a bunch of new evidence and a bunch of new assertions because people are really sloppy about what they have evidence for and what they are just asserting. Uh, because you can't, this is all, always going to happen because you cannot substantiate every assumption that you have. You will never get anywhere because you're going to have to back up to the very beginning of, okay, how do we, how do we build out all of these fact structures? And so we have to assume that the other person knows some things or it's going to take us forever to get anywhere useful. Uh, because our our different camps of politics are operating on such different sets of facts, we can't just have those high-level uh, discussions that when we say the same thing, like if you say Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, the images that is, are going to be conjured to mind for the two different parties are going to be entirely different. And so we have to back way, way up. So to have a functional conversation, you have to start from the very beginning. Um, because at the, at the top, you are 
it, like you have picked the data, you have picked the assumptions. There, there are a ton of things supporting your high-level arguments when you say something like the economy is doing well. That is an enormous statement that is depending on a bunch of things behind it. Um, or if you say socialism is bad, uh, that requires a bunch of assumptions that sometimes uh, so, will sometimes hold up, sometimes won't. But if you have a Democrat saying – or if you have a Republican saying it to a Democrat, I guess is the direction that we go, saying socialism is bad, both sides need to back up a long ways of what is socialism? Uh, what do what is a good government? Uh, what do we value out of our systems of governance? And so you need to ratchet down three or four different levels of conversation before you can get to a useful level of conversation, which I think would end up with the Republican saying, hey, I value freedom more. The Democrat saying, I value uh, every citizen having a minimum level of uh, a minimum living standard, even if we cap the top end. Uh, that's where I think that conversation should go. But Frequently what I've seen, at least on Facebook, is the De Republican says socialism is bad uh, and the Democrat says you're evil or, or is something to that vein. And it's really frustrating. So as because we're just having those high-level discussions and we're not trying to sink back down to, okay, what is the level that we actually disagree at? Not what is this assertion that's three levels beyond that built on levels of assumptions or facts that we disagree with, disagree about. We're having this just intractable debate because we're it's like we're on two different towers uh, shouting at each other and we have to go back down to the ground where it's like, oh, where did where did our facts, where did our views of the world differ? Um, it, and so you get something like the economy where it's like, is the economy doing well? That's a really complex question. There's a lot of pieces of that. Uh, do you look at wages? Do you look at the stock market? Do you look at GDP? Do you look at how corporations are doing? Uh, do you look at hiring like there's so many different ways to look at this. Do you look at uh, how everybody's doing? Do you look at how the bottom 15% are doing? Do you, so there's so many different ways to answer this. And so because there's not a simple this is true or this is not, depending on what your biases are, you can look at different data. So you could have an economy that's doing very well in the whole, you know, say 4% GDP growth a year. Uh, and maybe a Republican looks at that and says, hey, the economy is doing great. Uh, and you have a Democrat who's looking at it and saying, hey, the bottom 30% of the country has not gotten a wage increase. Uh, unemployment is actually climbing because it's so divided. Um, and so those two people can look at the same economy and say, yes, it's very healthy or no, it's not. And having an argument about is the economy healthy is kind of too high of a level of saying, what do we value out of the economy? What do we need? And what is the data that we're seeing that backs that up? Um, you know, maybe somebody's saying, oh, it feels like the economy's not very good because I've had uh, some of my friends have gotten laid off. And it's like, well, maybe that was a company-specific thing or a regional-specific thing. Or, oh, it feels like it's the company, the economy's going really well. My business is booming. Well, maybe that's just because you're really good at your job. Um, and so the data that we can get uh, can be... Like there's always going to – you're always cherry-picking your examples because none of us understand these questions in their totality because the questions are so huge. So we're always cherry-picking our data a little bit, and that is a prime time for our bias to show through, that we are going to take the things that we agree with and disregard the things that we do not. Um, so in the vein of that, uh, the line that my wife had that really stuck out to me from her blog post was pulling up chairs rather than building up walls of saying, hey, there is a conversation here. Let me pull up a chair. Let me listen to you. Let me engage with you and see if I can understand you better rather than saying, nope, that person is evil. Uh, they are wrong. They value things you know, from the, oh, if they say the economy is good when there's this much economic inequality, they must value economic inequality. 
Well, maybe, or maybe they're just looking at the top line GDP number, or maybe their business is just doing well, or their town is experiencing a boom. Like rather than building up that wall of saying, nope, the people who think that I cannot talk to them, um, as much as possible, engaging with those people. Um, I feel like I've heard people maybe brag about, maybe lament, but of saying, man, I just can't understand how people on the other side think. That is a problem. And that is in many ways a you problem. Um, that you get people saying things and really asserting things and saying, this is so obviously a cor correct that anyone who disagrees with me is either ignorant or evil. Uh, nearly always, if you say that, 30 to 50% of the country is disagreeing with you because we are a very divided country right now. If, if you pick any hot button issue, like, you know, say take abortion. Uh, both sides will say our position is obviously very correct. The other problem is the other side is evil and attacking these good things that we value. No, the two sides just value fundamentally different things, and they are not engaging with what the other side thinks at all. Um, on the pro-life side, it's saying the value of the unborn child is the most valuable thing. This is what we absolutely have to protect. That's a human life. Uh, on the other side, uh, they're, on the pro-choice side, they're saying, hey, a woman has a right to do with her body what she wants to do. Uh, that individual freedom is very valuable. Those two ideas don't interact with each other. Uh, they happen to be part of the same problem, but those are two entirely separate things. Uh, now they happen to intersect with each other, but those two ideas are not the same. So saying I value a woman's right to do what she wants to with her body has no bearing on whether or not I value the life of an unborn. What it should be is saying, okay, how do we balance between those two? How do we weigh these competing rights? Uh, which I don't hear. I just hear people saying my side is right and the other side is evil. Um, I, I saw a, there was a Republican fundraising email that came out in Idaho where someone was saying, I don't see how, in looking at the other side's platform, I don't see how a Christian can vote for their platform. Uh, that to me is a dramatic lack of imagination, um, and a failure of understanding. And I feel like people brag about not being able to understand the other side when that is a fundamental problem. We need to be working to understand the other side because the other side is right about things that you are wrong about. I, I say this without reservation to everyone. Um, there are things you are wrong about. And so you, if, even if like your side is mostly right, there is something you can learn. There is richness in diversity and gaining different opinions. Uh, now there's times where those interactions cease to be healthy, and I've hit that point a bunch of times. Again, this whole post is why I'm struggling to talk about politics, uh, because those dis healthy discussions aren't happening, and it frustrates me to no end, because I want to learn more. I want to try to understand, but people are not uh, – if you are pulling up a chair and the other person puts up a wall, you're just talking to a wall. Uh, so you need to have two people ready to engage to have a healthy conversation. And that's really frustrating to me because I haven't been able to understand things well. We are, what, two years into the Trump presidency? And I still don't think I really understand support for Trump. And that frustrates me. That saddens me uh, because that means I don't get it. There is something that a lot of people see, a lot of people feel very, very strongly that does not make any sense to me. And so there is a huge portion of our country that I do not understand. Uh, I strongly suspect they're wrong about a lot of those things. Like I, I very strongly disagree with those people, but 
I don't even, I mean, I say that I disagree with them because the end result of do you support President Trump, we come out so differently, but it frustrates me to no end because I do not understand their argument enough to say, these are the things that we value differently. I do not, I want to understand the other side so I can say, yes, I know what you're thinking. I see where you're coming from and I think it's wrong because of these things. I am not to that point and it frustrates me because I haven't been able to engage. I haven't been able to understand uh, and I am I am sad about that. I am deeply sad. I want to understand where President Trump's support comes from, um, and I I don't, and it it makes me it, it frustrates me. Um, very rarely after I've talked to someone who I disagreed with, even if I don't di agree with them anymore, once I've gotten that chance, if you've had that pull up a chair, you, I mean those conversations frequently be, will be heated. There's a lot of differences in values. Uh, that diversity of opinion, I found, oh, okay, I can at least see where you are coming from. Particularly, this is much more true if I'm having that discussion in person than if I'm having that discussion over the internet. Uh, it's a lot easier to be angry at words and ones and zeros than it is to be at a person. Um, that once, So when I'm at work, I frequently go and physically go to someone's desk to talk to them because... It's a valuable reminder for both of us. The person I'm working with is a person. It's really easy to forget that on the internet or through a computer. Uh, and so of trying to remind, I mean, you know, for me as a programmer of saying, no, this person, they're like, this is a person, this tester is trying hard. They're trying to do it. They do not speak the same language and vocabulary as me. And that, like, that's fine. They're doing their job. They're trying hard. Uh, we're just having a breakdown in communication and of reminding them, hey, like as a developer, I might not understand the business process, the stuff that you're doing, but I am working hard. Like we are both human beings trying to do this. And I feel like that is in very short supply. Uh, that we spend a lot more time demonizing the other side rather than humanizing them. Uh, so even if I, I get to the end of that discussion, I disagree with them of being able to say, okay, you are a human who values different things than I do. Um, it, you know, and we can have an, having an argument about what we should value is very different from arguing about how we should do it. If you're arguing about how we should do it with someone who values things that are differently from you, you're not going to get anywhere. <laughs> because one side's going to yell, build the wall, and the other side's going to yell, no wall, and no one's going to get anywhere. Uh, because when you try to dig one level down from that of, is a wall a good idea, you disagree. And so we have to say, we have to attack that question rather than a, how do we implement this? Um, or a, is there a problem at our southern border? Or what is the problem at our southern border? Um and so I feel like in politics, frequently people will start by saying, you know, you'll have a State of the Union speech or whatever, and they'll they'll pick out the thing they disagree with the most. Or they'll be describing someone and they'll say, this is the part that I hate. That person's a socialist. That person's a racist. Um, which, which has its place. Like, those worst things are valuable to know. But I don't think in the political moment that we're in, starting with the place we disagree most is the best way to go about it. I think what we need at this moment is, okay, let's start with what we agree with. What are we the same on? And then we can, we're going to find plenty of things to disagree with about. If you've got an Occupy Democrats and a Tea Party person, you know, far left and far right, uh, it's not going to be hard to find things they disagree on. Let's start from our place of commonality. Say, hey, what are the things that we both value? What are the things that we can work on that both of us agree with? Sometimes they'll just be diametrically opposed. One side will say, hey, we should have higher taxes and a broader social safety net. The other side will say we should have lower taxes and you know more freedom. That's, that's a straight trade-off. Uh, we can talk about that. But sometimes the things that one side values are not diametrically opposed to what the other side values. 
Uh, and so we don't have to be working against the other side. We can just be working for the things that we value. Uh, if you define yourself as, I hate everything that Democrats like, or I hate everything that Republicans write, you are wrong, and that is awful problem solving. You're not going to get anywhere because you're turning everything into a win-lose and you are eliminating the possibility that we can say, hey, maybe there's something that we can do that both of us value. Maybe we can find a humane, intelligent way to deal with the issues at the southern border. There are issues at the southern border. Our immigration system is not good. It's not right. Uh, particularly, we've had a fairly non-functional Congress for the last decade. There's a lot of things that are just wrong that no one is benefiting from. That if we were able to work together, we could say, hey, we can get to a status quo that is better for both sides. But so often people are locked into, I need to win and you need to lose. If it's good for them, it must be bad for me. And we've polarized so many things because <coughs> people are more motivated when they're angry or, or when they're excited. Like that win-lose is very exciting. It's awful governance. It's awful problem solving. Um, and so we, we'll do the same thing with individual ideas of someone will lay out a case for something and we'll say, I feel like I've heard this a lot with like, uh, Medicare for all, like, Oh, that, that's going to raise taxes way too much. Or, Oh, you'll lose doctor choice. And it's like, all right, let's see how we can fix that individual piece of this. And we can end up with a stronger idea. Um, rather than just saying, Oh, there's a flaw in your idea. It must be garbage. How about we say, hey, there's a flaw in your idea. What can we do to uh, make that work? What can we do to uh, eliminate the issues with that? Of, hey, you know, the conversation, the uh, issues on the southern border, the way you're talking about that are really – are not race neutral at all. Like they're very uh, – they're going to impact one race more than the other. So rather than saying you must be a racist because your plan is going to adversely affect – whatever race you want to put in there of saying, Hey, we could do this differently to make it so that that is not. So this is a more race neutral, uh, idea, but I hear people saying things are racist far more often than I hear them saying, Hey, we could do this to deal with those disparate impacts of that idea. Um, so there's an Abraham Lincoln quote that I think really, it, to, to me really ties these ideas together. Uh, and it's, do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? Uh, if I can get someone, you know, if I can get something that I value from this person, if I can drag them into this, I, you know, in some ways I have destroyed that, that uh, conflict, that dissonance, like of that coming together is a way of win like that is winning. If you get what you want, if you enhance the things that you value, that is a good thing. You do not have to take something away from someone else to get it. Um, sometimes we get down to those win-lose, like straight trade-off questions. We're not there. We are not picking the low-hanging fruit. We are not trying to find what can we work on together and we've just run out of good ideas. <laughs> You're going to have a pretty tough sell to convince me that that's what's happening based on the level of rhetoric and the lack of cooperation uh, and how highly partisan we are right now, particularly in Washington. Uh, Washington, D.C., I should say. So uh, to take one example, I, I've been kind of roughly throwing out uh, examples or pieces, uh, but one that I want to dig into and kind of walk through a little bit more is the border wall debate. Well, calling it a debate is way overly optimistic, uh, but it's really stupid. Uh, the question It's not asking a question of, is a border wall a good idea? Where should we have a border wall? What should a border wall look like? Those have kind of incidentally sort of been addressed as we've come along, 
But that's not the question that is being asked. That's not what's being negotiated in Congress. The thing that's being negotiated in Congress is does Trump get a political win, which is stupid and I hate. Like Trump, for all of his talk of draining the swamp, is the swampiest politician I've ever been aware of. Like all he cares about is do I get my political win or he's just an awful problem solver and he's, you know, threw out a solution early and was like, this is the only way to do it. Uh, the question should be something like, how do we prevent drugs and illegal immigration from coming into our country on our southern border? Or, you know, just kind of more broadly. Uh, and, and then we say, okay, how do we fix this problem? And maybe we need to back up and say, uh, what are the problems that we're trying to fix? Uh, do we do we just value illegal immigration differently? Do we want, I mean, I'm fairly certain everybody agrees on drug trafficking over the southern border not being great, but Hey, let's say, where do those things come from? Like most of the drugs are not being walked over the southern border. They're coming through in legal ports of entry and they're just being snuck by the guards, um, you know, in shipments of ooh, shipments of avocados or whatever. I don't know a lot about the drug trade, um, but it does tend to go through legal ports of entry because why would you try to walk across the desert in New Mexico uh, when you could be bringing it in, you know, sneaking it through in an 18-wheeler? 18-wheelers are much better than walking at moving things. Um, so if we can figure out what we're trying to stop of drugs, illegal immigration, I mean, there have been times where uh, Trump has, you know, maybe been trying to restrict legal immigration, which is a whole separate question. Like, okay, what are the problems that we're trying to address? Uh, what would be the best way to stop this? In in some cases, like where is a wall effective? Um, what would that what would that do? Um, what should the wall look like? Those questions have sort of like Trump started with. I, I mean, very explicitly in his campaign, he said, "We're going to build a wall." Well, what's the wall going to look like? Where is it going to be? None of those questions were addressed, and those have sort of been filled in later. And so, because Trump started with, "We're going to build the wall," Democrats were then snapped back to, and this was honestly kind of my reaction. No, that's stupid. We shouldn't be building a wall at all. Both sides retreat to their positions. We're not examining any underlying claims, so we're not seeing what do we value. We're not saying what facts are behind this. One side is yelling, build a wall. The other side is saying, don't build the wall. That is racist and a waste of money. Uh, that's really nice if you want a shouting match on cable news. That's not going to help us solve anything. That's not going to make our country better. Uh, that's going to make us angrier and more divided. So Trump says that he wants a wall which assumes that it's going to fix some of the problems that he talks about, which is uh, the human trafficking. Every time he talks about the human cost at the border and the humanitarian crisis, it just comes across as incredibly disingenuous to me. But that's that's a whole separate thing. Um, so will it actually stop the drugs? Will it actually stop the criminals that he says are streaming across the border that we don't have any good evidence are actually streaming across the border? Um, will it actually stop the illegal immigration? Will it actually dissuade people from coming to try to claim asylum, which they can legally do? Um, I don't think it will actually do a lot of those things. Like that's Illegal immigration is far more commonly inside our country of people who get here legally and then stay too long. Uh, I'll post a link to an NPR article talking about that. But I don't know that the wall is actually going to do the things Trump says it does. It's clearly, hey, I'm going to build a wall and then backfilling this is the reasons why that's a good idea rather than saying these are the problems that we need to solve. Uh, a, a wall is the best for this in these locations. And so because of that, if your first, if your thing that you value is building a wall, uh, you just have to build a wall. If your thing that you value is preventing illegal immigration or making sure there's not uh, crime or drugs coming over the southern border, those are things that you can negotiate about. We can have multiple solutions to that. But when you say, I need to build a wall, 
you know, $5.6 billion for that or nope. Like there's, there's not a way to really compromise about that policy position. And so if you start with, I value building a wall, there's no negotiating to be done there. Um, and so on the other side, you get Democrats saying, oh, we can't build a wall. Building a wall is uh, racist and inhumane. Uh, that assumes that building a wall isn't going to fix any of those problems anywhere. Uh, that I'm quite confident is wrong. Like we've got, I mean, whether you want to call it a wall, I mean, there's some walls, there are fencing, there are places where that works. Uh, like where it runs, you've got places where you have a U.S. city and a Mexican city, like right on the border. And having a wall there is very helpful because otherwise you would not be able to control things uh, going from one country to the other. If you want to have open borders, that's a whole separate discussion. Uh, but having a wall there makes some sense. If we want to enforce, if there's going to be different rules in the United States as opposed to Mexico, it makes sense that we've got a hard border where there's people and houses on either side and you can just duck down an alley. Uh, if you're out in the middle of the desert in New Mexico, it probably doesn't make sense to have a wall. So, it, you know, if it makes sense to have a wall or some kind of barrier in cities, and it doesn't make sense to have it, you know, in the random mountains or in the massive deserts that are nearly impossible to get across anyway, uh, the question becomes, where is a wall effective? Where is a wall the right solution to solve the problems that we have? In many cases, both sides agree, you know, we don't want drugs coming into the country. Um, illegal immigration is not great. Like, I don't think anybody is advocating for illegal immigration. You'll hear some people say that, uh, that you know, maybe they say that's not a serious problem. But, like, let's try to enforce our laws is not a super controversial stance. Uh, when you're separating children from families, that is. But so of saying, hey, we want people to follow the rules. Um, I, I even let's just back it up to we want to stop drugs from coming across the border. We want to stop like drug cartel, drug member, uh, like gang members from coming across the border. That is a pretty non-controversial stance. So where on the border would that be helpful? You know, is it in the cities? Uh, is it outside the city? How far outside the cities do we go? What does the nature of the wall need to be? Uh, the wall has evolved. Trump originally was saying, you know, a big concrete wall, uh, and now it's shifted to these steel bollards or steel slats where you can see through them. And border agents really like that, so they can see what's going on on the other side of the wall, so that they're not uh, not getting surprised by what's coming across the wall. It's like, oh, okay, this is a better solution than what we originally had. Uh, but I don't hear people asking those questions of, okay, in what ways would a wall be helpful? Where would a wall be helpful? What, what do we actually need on the Southern border to solve this? Like, what are the actual problems that we're trying to address? We just get people yelling, build a wall. We need it to keep America safe or don't build the wall that is racist and antithetical to American values. That, that is a really stupid way to approach this debate. And so it's frustrating to me. It's not a debate. It's a shouting match. Um, and I feel like we've got a lot of these in American politics where there's an interesting policy question to be had, and it's not being asked. People are just lining up on their sides uh, and yelling at each other across the gap. They're not. They're building up walls. They're not pulling up chairs. So this is this is a much angrier, more frustrated view. Uh, I highly recommend going to listen, read my wife's blog. Um, it is in many ways much better, uh, much more concise, certainly. Um, so, yeah, kind of as a summary, I want to have problem-solving conversations of how do we solve these complex, interesting questions that we can improve a lot of people's lives with um, to benefit the country? How can we get win-win solutions that both sides value? And then, you know, we can leave the bitter partisan bickering for later when we've solved some of those. Um, some questions to leave you with. Uh, what can I do to foster healthy debates? How can I come into situations to help other people uh, engage what do we value? How do we think that would work? How can we work together? How can we find things that we both agree on? 
Um, what are those base things that I value? Like what are what are those core building blocks that I want to work from? Um, until you know that, until you've recognized that, it's really hard to back down to that level. Um, and what are some, kind of as a thought exercise, what are some positions from the other side of the political aisle uh, that I think are good, that I think are valuable, that have some merit to them? What are some positions that I think, oh, hey, if you change this thing, like, uh, it, you know, maybe uh, take an idea that you don't like. Uh, maybe if you're a Republican saying Medicare for all, I think that's bad. Okay, what what are the things that I dislike about it? What changes would I need to make for that to work? Um, and I think that is a valuable question of actually engaging with the other side's ideas, saying, hey, how can our diversity of opinions, diversity of values, diversity of expertise, how can we pull those together to make something better? Um, you know, maybe I would venture to guess if Obamacare had had more, well, I, in general, I would expect ideas, uh, you know, say Obamacare, if the Republicans are just saying, no, this is bad. Actually, so Obamacare got passed. The Republicans were just trying to repeal it. If the Republicans had been trying to fix it, I would venture to guess that the very different expertise that exists in the Republican Party from in the Democratic Party, if the Republicans had tried to help fix Obamacare, Obamacare likely would have gotten much, much stronger. Because if you can uh, incorporate that diversity of opinion frequently your ideas will get much stronger. You know, I hear, yeah, I feel like I heard about it more as a kid, but like diversity is good. Well, diversity of political opinion is also frequently good of saying, hey, let's take these different values. Let's take these different expertises and see if we can work together to get something that's better for everybody. Um, something I realized is, so if you've been listening to these off of Facebook, uh, you can actually subscribe to the podcast. I think it's on iTunes. Um, you might be able to find it other places. If you're looking for it other places and you can't find it, let me know. I can try to get it there. Um, you could leave a review. I don't frequently look at those because I assume people don't uh, listen that much and leave a review and that everyone who does listen just knows me and can talk to me if they would like to. Uh, but if you leave a review, you should, you should let me know and I can go look at reviews. Uh, five or yeah, five star ratings maybe. I mean, this is the things podcasters talk about. Um, but I've, I've really appreciated the people who have come and talked to me. Uh, I've been able to uh, engage with more sides of the debate that I didn't understand or just at a deeper level of having having that diversity of opinion, having someone else coming in and saying, hey, I think you're wrong about these things. Uh, it has been really valuable to me of saying, okay, what are the pieces of this I, that I do value? Um, so thank you so much to everyone who has reached out to me. Um, that's all I've got for, for today. Uh, thanks for listening.